What's up, guys? I am so happy you're here. I'm your host, Katrina Richardson, and you're listening to the Purpose Through Pain podcast, where we take a look at the painful things that we go through in life and discover how God can use them for a purpose, for His purpose. My prayer through this podcast is that you will be reminded on a weekly basis that even though times are hard, and just because you don't understand all the whys, doesn't mean God can't use this and turn it into a beautiful, beautiful testimony. So let's get started. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Purpose Through Pain. I am sitting here today with Debbie Stewart. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, this is going to be so fun. I've been looking forward to it. All right. So before we get started and you tell us your story, go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, what you do, all of that. Love to. So uh, I've been in ministry for 30 years. I'm women's minister at Green Acres Baptist Church in Tyler, Texas. I've been here for about four years. Prior to that, I served in the Dallas area. I worked with June Hunt at Hope for the Heart, and I served at Prestonwood Baptist Church in Plano for about 10 years. So I am a church girl, and I love ministry. Uh, And interestingly enough, the Lord called me into ministry in an unusual way. It was through uh, a tragedy, actually, in my life, through the death of my mom. I was in a career path to physical therapy, kind of my own plans, things that I wanted to do, plans that I had made on my own. When my mom was 39, I was about 23, she was diagnosed with um, very aggressive cancer, and she lost that courageous battle. When my son was about five weeks old, she was 40 at the time. So it was through that process that I really began this quest with the Lord to figure out what was going on. Like, I don't know if you've ever come to this place, but I was like, what do you want from me? You you know, my, my dad was an alcoholic. I had two brothers, similar stories. And uh, my older brother has died since died from that. And so has my dad. So it just sent me on this thing with the Lord where he let me know I never called you to physical therapy. You never asked me about my plan and my purpose for your life. And when I began to do that, he redirected my course entirely. That's how I landed in women's ministry. Wow, that's crazy. That's yeah, uh, we always like try and take our own path. And then oh, yeah. God's like, um, hello, especially overly can, <laughs> controlling people. Can, can you can, check in with can, me? Please? Can, do you mind? Do you mind? Yeah. Uh, since I created you. And the first day I started in women's ministry was at Willow Point Baptist Church in Shreveport, Louisiana. And that very first day at the end of the day, I sat in my car and I thought to myself, this is what I was made for. Mm-hmm. I was made for this. I'm going to do it till the day I die. If the Lord will have me. Well, I'm really excited about today's episode. I've heard parts and pieces of your story, um, and I think it's going to be really impactful mm-hmm. for a lot of people um, you know, to be able to apply it to themselves as mm-hmm. well and things that they've gone through. So go ahead and just tell us your story. So I'm a survivor of a prodigal. There's a boy who stole my heart, and he calls me mom. And that boy walked away from God at about age 14. We had had some difficult things happen in our family all within about a three-month period of time. And our son, Jared, walked away from the things of God. Um, it it led him, he walked down a dark path of self-destructive, rebellious, and addictive lifestyle. Our every attempt to help him, to stop him, to protect him, and to save him failed. And on October the 16th of 2009, two police officers walked into our home and they arrested our son, Jared. 
We knew some of what he was involved in. We were very attuned. We were very involved parents. But a lot of what he did was outside of our home. He would be gone for days, sometimes weeks at a time. We were the parents that called the police department. Has he been arrested? Called the hospital. Has he been admitted? Called the morgue, if you can imagine. Are there any unidentified bodies? We, we could not find our son. And those were times where he... Uh, had led himself toward that addictive lifestyle. He began to self-medicate. And that self-medicating led to full-blown addiction to heroin and some other very serious drugs. So on the day he was arrested, it's very hard to put into words. And even now, uh, earlier today, I, I prayed that the Lord would grant me tearlessness so that women could understand and people could hear the story behind what happened and not get so wrapped up in the pain of what happened. Mm -hmm. So when two police officers arrested him, they took him in the backseat of the police car. They gave my husband a card, to uh, information to call. Here, Here's what happens next. We had no idea. Mm -hmm. And when my husband went to do that, I went to the place where I meet with the Lord every day. I, I always challenge women, and I have for about 25 years now. The challenge is this, 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life that you will prioritize spending time with the Lord every day. Start with 10 minutes if that's where you can start if you're a young mom of young children. But find a time to meet with the Lord. So I have a time and I have a place that I meet with the Lord and I do my Bible study time and then I kneel at a chair before I leave. I commit my day to the Lord, my time to the Lord, that He would use me that day. And that morning on October the 16th, I went into that room when my husband began to make these calls and I threw myself on that chair where I've prayed for many, many days. And I asked the Lord, like, why? Like, why would you not deliver our son? We have done everything that your word asks us to do. I've, I've checked it carefully. <sighs> we, have, we have done every action that your word gives for a parent to do for someone that has walked away from the Lord. And I was just whining. I was complaining. I was doing whatever. I really wasn't praying. I might would have called it that, but the <laughs> truth is I was whining. I was complaining. I was broken. I was devastated. I was overwhelmed. I was exhausted through this whole about 10-year process at that time. Wow. And when I finally took a breath, from asking the Lord, why wouldn't you deliver our son? I've watched you do this for many other people. Why wouldn't you do this for us? And when I took a breath in that moment, in my spirit, the Lord said, I just did. I just did. I just delivered your son. See, here's Debbie Stewart's problem. I have a, I have a, a pre uh, idea of, of what a deliverance ought to look like. I have a, uh, um, a predetermined idea, if Your you will. Plan. Yeah. Here's what deliverance looks like in my in my world. And it certainly wasn't him being arrested and taken off in a police car. That didn't seem like it didn't feel like deliverance to me. But I assure you, if Jared were here right now, he would certainly tell you that was his path of deliverance. Because I fear looking back and just from just from revelation from the Lord, just divine revelation from him. I fear what the next high that he would have been on would have cost him. I fear what the next car ride would have ended in. Uh, we are looking at, by our own government's estimation, a pandemic of young people taking their lives from um, 
prescription drugs from drugs of all all kinds, just unintentional suicide by drug use. Mm -hmm. Our son was headed that way and the Lord did deliver him. So we found ourselves shipwrecked. The Bible talks about being shipwrecked in Acts chapter 27. This was about Paul. The Bible says in that passage that the storm was so bad, all hope was abandoned. And that's exactly how I felt that day. All hope was abandoned. And then there are five words that say, but you take courage and believe God. Take courage and believe God. And if you believe his word is true, you have to believe that when he causes pain, it is for the intent of something new to be born. It is for the intent. You might not see it all this side of heaven, but there is there is a progress in pain and there is purpose in pain. So I love the fact that you uh, get to use this avenue of communication to share that with people. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what would you say since then, since that day that your son was arrested, um, what what's the biggest thing you've learned from God? How has your relationship with God been impacted? How has your son's relationship with God been impacted? What are some positive things you've seen? So he was incarcerated for 10 and a half years. He okay. was paroled in March, on March the 5th of 2020. Well, we all know what happened <laughs> in March of 2020. So interestingly enough, I hope I wasn't the one to cause this whole thing. But um, <laughs> when our son was released from captivity, we went on uh, lockdown. <laughs> you know, we were shelter in place. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, you couldn't go anywhere. Restaurants were closed. Mm-hmm. Movie theaters were closed. Grocery stores were closed. Everything was closed and you had to stay home. And so it was uh, to our son, it was almost devastating. <laughs> there was so much that he wanted to do. But there was a place he needed to be first before mm-hmm. we just ran out and start doing all of those things to rebuild his life. So some of the things that we have learned as a result of what we have been through, and the truth is still walking through, mm-hmm. uh, addiction has been in our family for many, many years. There has been cycles and generations of it. And we know that that many people uh, struggle and, and battle that addiction as lifelong. So we're very much aware of that. So in this process, one of the sweetest things that happened, I wish I had time to really unpack it, but let me just hit the high points, is prison ministry started. Mm-hmm. The truth is, I didn't know anything about prison ministry at all. I had no idea. And if I could be quite transparent with you, when we were going through this process with our son, for a while, I kept it very private because I thought, you know, Jared's working through some teenage issues. He's working through some rebellion. I never considered him a prodigal until I realized about two years into it, the Lord has given me the assignment to parent a prodigal. Okay. I I need not run from that. I need not hide from that. I need not fake that. Uh, I can speak about that. The Lord has given me an assignment. And once I realized it, to be honest, I went into it kind of kicking and screaming. I didn't think that was right. I didn't think that was fair. Didn't want to do that. Not a part of my plan. But when I resigned to the fact, this is what the Lord has asked me to do. Um, I'm kind of, uh, uh, overly, I'm the type A on steroids, they said. So then I'm like, okay, this is my assignment. By golly, I'm going to be the best mom of a prodigal that ever walked the face of this earth. And so then I figured out from God's word through this prodigal story, many other passages, what do I do in this season of suffering? I'm going to tell you, it sucked the life out of me. 
So to figure out how I can keep putting life in and keep putting hope in because it was being sucked out through what we were experiencing with our son. It was devastating to watch him walk through the 20s to the 30s. The man was incarcerated. He grew up in prison. And so to figure out how do we do this? So one thing that happened was prison ministry. And if you had walked into, let me be careful here, um, but also be very real. I was on staff at Prestonwood Baptist Church at the time when all of this happened. And if you had walked into my very nice plush office on the second floor of Prestonwood Baptist Church, which is a mega church, at that time, it was the fifth largest church in America when I was serving there. Mm -hmm. If you had walked into my office and said, Debbie, can you tell me where the nearest prison is to this church? Uh, No, I'm trying to do ministry here. They're busy. Uh, Ms. Stewart, could you tell me how many women are incarcerated at the prison closest to this church? No, I'm trying to figure out Bible study. I've got a lot of women here to deal with. And the Lord helped me realize uh, this is not a part of your life. This is not a part of your world. This is not even on your radar. And that's a problem for me. Hmm. And I'm going to fix that. And I found out through devastating circumstances where the closest prison to Prestonwood Baptist Church. It was 9.2 miles. It was Dawson Prison. It has since closed. But the day that I called, 484 women were incarcerated there and zero ministry was happening for them. And we began to make some calls. We began to have a lot of prayer and prison ministry started. Oh, what a story that was. The enemy fought that. He opposed that every step of the way that many, many women came to know the Lord as a result of Prestonwood Baptist Church doing ministry. We would do it every Monday. Women would come to the church at noon. We would get in a van at one o'clock and we would drive down to Dawson Prison and we would teach God's word to women in the It's called pods Mm -hmm. at that facility from one to three. And oh, did we see the Lord work in tremendous ways. Prison ministry is still going on at that church. It has since started here at Green Acres Mm -hmm. because of my passion. And some women have said, oh, once your son got out of prison, I, I didn't think you'd ever darken the door of a prison facility again. Oh, oh, um. Let me explain the call to prison ministry. <laughs> it's like it, your eyes were open. Yeah, so they that doesn't it. stop when mm-hmm. my son is released. I have fallen in love mm-hmm. with women who incarcerate. My heart is very, very tender to them and to those who love them. Mm-hmm. So it just started back. We have been three times now to a Henderson. And mm-hmm. so far, 52 women have, have given their life to Christ. And listen, I could go on and on and on about the Lord, what the Lord has done. But I need you to know this. I need the people to hear this. This wasn't a result of some great idea that Debbie Stewart had. I wasn't even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even concerned about it, let alone love it. Mm-hmm. Here's how that happened. Debbie Stewart had this shipwreck of a lifetime that I thought I would not survive. And many days, I didn't want to. Many days I thought the easiest thing for me to do is to check out and the pain does not have to continue. But I trust the Lord when his word says that in your weakness, I will be strong. And Ezekiel 14, 23 says, you shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done, saith the Lord. And so there is purpose in pain. Wow. That is amazing. Um, I feel like you've kind of already answered this question. I was going to ask next what you think the purpose through this pain would be. And I think 
two of the things you've answered so far are one, you know, the prison ministry Mm -hmm. and two, um, your son not continuing down that path. So what does it look like with him right now? How's he doing? So he was released in March 20, uh, uh, March 5th of 2020. He has since married to a sweet girl that we adore. Our name is Kana, Kana Rose. They have a little baby boy now. His name is Gunner. Gunner means bold warrior. And we're now watching another generation be raised. And I believe cycles of addiction are being broken with this particular generation. Uh, Things have happened in men. We have watched the Lord in men's ministry and prison ministry for men. We have watched, Lord, as we have prayed that the Lord would walk some men into our son's life. Many, many times we could not get to our son, but we prayed that God would bring someone across his path that would speak truth into his life. God was faithful to do that. We prayed for favor with um, his cellmates, with guards, with other inmates, and God was faithful to do that. So many terrible stories that we have heard about people incarcerated, and I, I believe there was just a hedge of protection around our son. Uh, you know, prison does not define you, but it is a part of the destiny that God might be leading people to. And so we believe that that's been part of that for Jared. Another great thing that happened is the last year that he was there, the Lord put it in his heart to write a book. And so we wrote a book together called Redeemed Rebel, 20 Perspectives from a Prodigal and His Mom. Now, his mom really represents his mom and dad. We certainly Mm -hmm. went through this together. Absolutely. Uh, But his dad is a man of few words. And so (laughs) I'm a woman of many words. So that's how it landed with me. And so it gives Jared's perspective of what he went through what he felt, what happened to him, where all of this started. Um, And then my perspective. So you could get that book. You could just email me. uh, You'll find me at greenacreswomen.org. Again, women's minister at Greenacres in Tyler, Texas. And we have watched that book really transform the lives of some youth that were headed in a wrong path to be a helpful resource and tool to parents and aunts and uncles, someone who loves a prodigal. And prodigals aren't just kids. They're uncles, they're parents, they are grandparents, they are sisters and brothers. And I've found uh, everybody loves a prodigal, just about. So uh, it has been helpful. Just to, We tried to put together a tool at the end of every chapter. There are prayer strategies okay. on how to pray for prodigals in our life. And just a reminder of Isaiah 58, 11, that says, God will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. And then also okay. in Psalm 65, the Lord says that, that he crowns the year with a bountiful harvest and even hard pathways will yield an abundance. Just a reminder, there's purpose in pain. It will yield fruit. You may not see it immediately, Mm -hmm. but when you do, it's just... And we may not see it this side of heaven, Mm. but we have to trust that God's word says there is good. I've not done this without cause. I love what Hosea 2.15, this is a scripture that helped me sleep at night. And when I would go to bed, I would repeat this over and over. That and another scripture in Acts that I will share. But Hosea 2.15 says, I have, I will, let me go back. Isaiah, excuse me, Hosea 2.15 says, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. And he has done that for us. I love that. And he will do that for your listeners. And then that's the verse that I repeated over and over and also repeated at night. Acts 2, 26. 
it says, this is from the message version. It says, I have pitched my tent in the land of hope. And I decided to put my hope in God's word. Uh, Psalm 119, 114 says, he is my shield and he is my shelter. And I will put my hope in his word. Yeah. And that's a choice we make. It is. Wow. Um, So what would you say would be your advice to parents of prodigals, people that know know them or just, I guess, someone that goes through the, what did you say, the um, shipwrecked experience? Yeah, it seems like, uh, you know, in our journey with the Lord, we're going to come to places of seasons of suffering. We're all going to have a train wreck, a shipwreck. Mine mine looks a little different, but others, it could be cancer. It could be an unexpected divorce. It could be infertility, a failed adoption, financial. I mean, it just goes on and on where we hit these places unexpected. We can be blindsided. That sucked the life out of you, and you don't know how to get unstuck from this place. We get in a ditch. So my advice would be, uh, to make room for the Lord to move in this in your life. Don't run from it. Don't forfeit it. Don't hide it. Don't be ashamed of it. Speak about it. Uh, speaking about it gets you out of that place of shame and regret. Uh, many times other people don't know how to ask you about it. For for the longest, people would always ask us. We, we have our son, Jared, and a daughter, Haley. Mm-hmm. They're 15 months apart. And for a long time during this process, women would always ask me, how's Haley? How's Haley doing? You know, they they didn't know how to ask me about Jared. They didn't know. Does she want to talk about it? Does she not want to? It just made everything so weird Mm -hmm. because who talks about your kid being in prison? How do you even bring that up in a conversation? But you can. It's a part of your life and it's a part of your journey. Mm -hmm. And so it removes weirdness that people feel about it. As I begin to talk about it, women came out of the woodworks Mm -hmm. to tell me they too have experienced something similar. So my advice would be make room in your life for whatever it is the Lord is going to do in this process. And then my challenge would be, so I don't necessarily like to give a lot of advice, but that would be make room, you know, make room in your life, Mm -hmm. prioritize your study of God's word. So you can put your hope in his word. You can't put your hope in something you don't know about. (sighs) You know, if we think about in all honesty, how many scriptures do we know by heart? Okay, it's hard to put your hope in something you don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You've got to get in God's word or, or this is likely to suck you under. Almost did that to me. And my challenge would be, as I mentioned briefly earlier, 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life. There's a scripture in Psalm 1-2 that says, think about ways to follow the Lord more closely. And that's my advice. Think about ways that you can follow the Lord more closely, especially when you're in a difficult season, especially when you're going through time of hardship and brokenness and shattered dreams in your life. 20 minutes a day for the rest of your life. That'll change your life. It will transform. It will transform your journey and transform you. And after all, that's what the Lord is going for. Absolutely. 
Well, I know this has been very helpful for me with things that I'm going through. And so I think it'll be very helpful for others as well. Thank you for just letting God speak through you. My pleasure. If you wouldn't mind, can we close this with, would you mind praying for us? Absolutely. I'd love to do that. Father, I'm so grateful today for an opportunity to speak about your faithfulness and to honor you and to appreciate your activity in my life. And I pray, Lord, for all of those listening today who love a prodigal. I pray that your presence would be near them. Your word says you're near to the brokenhearted and you save those who are crushed in spirit. And I pray today they would feel you especially close. Help us to draw near to you and to make room in our life for all that you are doing, all those crazy, sometimes hurtful things that we do not understand. We put our hope in your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk through these times successfully and victoriously, that it would be to your honor and to our, to your glory and to our good. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Purpose Through Pain podcast today. I pray that you're walking away from this episode with hope and trusting God with whatever comes next for you or whatever you're walking through right now. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and family. And if you ever have any questions or have a topic that you want me to discuss, just shoot me a DM over on Instagram at katrina.r95. I hope I'll see you next week. And until then, remember that your pain isn't pointless and God's got a beautiful purpose all planned out just for you.